Welcome to the Near Jochuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion on Sun Ludong's Baguajang. Uh, first, a brief description of Sun and his teaching from one of his students, Chen Wei Ming, the famous Tai Chi master. Uh, then we look at Sun's book again and we go into basic concepts in Baguajang, uh, including the ideas of Wuji and Taiji in Baguajang. Uh, and then in the Patreon episode, uh, last time we did the spiraling stuff, so if you want to hear that, you can check that out. And then this episode, we did a thing on openings and closings in Fa Jing, where we discussed the infamous book cover of The Power of Internal Martial Arts. So if you're interested on our take on all that, you can give that a listen. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. I hope everyone's doing well and take care. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Nejachuan Podcast with Isaac and Jess. We're continuing our discussion of the famous martial artist Sun Ludong and his Bagua. So we've covered quite a bit about his Xing Yi in previous episodes, and lately we've been talking about his Bagua and drawing from his very detailed and in-depth Bagua book, translated on Brennan's site. So this section we're going to look at talks a little bit about uh, incorporating Neigong principles into your training. So he talks a lot about incorporating continuous awareness inside your training, as well as other Neigong elements of lifting or dropping parts of the inner body. Um, but he's really focused on getting your mind in, in a certain state of, of very heightened awareness and perception while you're doing your training. And I think a lot of Bagua schools talk about that state, but when it comes to actually training it step by step, it can be, it's, there's a process to it. So what he's talking about here is, are some, just some big principles of Taoist Neigong, Yin and Yang, Tai Chi, Wuji, these things that make up the sort of paradigm of what is Taoist practices. So he's making a direct link from things like Ludong Bing, Lao Tzu, to practicing Bagua Zhang as a martial art, uh, which is pretty uh, in line with what you know we've t- been taught and what we teach, but some schools, not so much. Clearly, Leo Hong Jae uh, so, is influenced by this way of thinking of incorporating Taoist principles into your into your everyday training, and so his that I whole lineage whole, includes that. Yeah, I think a whole generate a whole generation of martial artists were influenced by Sun Ludong's ideas. I mean, I think that that's kind of where it where it really blossomed from. Was I think he was one of a, a number sure. of people doing it, but he but uh, you know as as far as things that really survived and were translated into English. Right. His books are the ones that, that shout it from the mountaintops. He's number one. It, ideas like stillness and emptiness that you find written in religious texts. Now he's weaving them into this Bagua training. Or you find them a lot in Tai Chi mm, books, true. right? These, these, like, these concepts are freely written about in Tai Chi books where they'll say, you know, things like it's connected to Tai Chi or connected to Yin Yang. These yin and yang tai chi wuji the five elements all of these taoist concepts and they you know they make no bones about it it's uh where with bagua it's a little more amorphous i think to kind of how you would translate those 
things that aren't exactly Magua, like Nagong, to practicing in a circle, right? Um, and that that was the the metamorphosis, I think, that really made Bagua into this unique art. Was it took these? I mean, who knows where it came from? I mean, they say Dung Hai Chuan learned it from a Taoist, but who knows? But but the point is, at some point, somebody took things that you did in a straight line or in a static position and put them on a circle the way uh, the Tibetans and guys in the Kunlun Mountains would walk to meditate, right? They would do it just as a circle, like Native Americans do. They, they walk in circles to meditate. It's a way of connecting to the energy of the things around you is walking. And if you don't have a lot of room, you can do it in a circle. Uh, so this, this concept, right, somehow morphed with martial arts, uh, which is, you know, again, the, the debate of when right. that happened and where it happened. Right. Some people say Sun Ludong himself was the one who did the incorporating, but clearly he's part of a bigger movement. It, there's, he's not the only one doing it. It's, it's been going on. Right. And then there was sort of a backlash to that, I think, where mm. people were like, no, it has, no, it has nothing mm. to do with that. It's all purely secular. And um, that, I think, maybe politically was more palatable too i think i mean maybe there's both are rising at the same time because sometimes you hear the dong i chuan some of his students like to meditate some didn't care some just wanted to be good fighters and those are both certainly you know great you can go either way there you don't have you know no shame in being into fighting obviously whether you want to fight or you want to meditate you need the nagong principles and that's that's where i think what who, whatever Dong Hai Chuan learned from whoever he learned it from, the central piece of it was how to do Nagong while you're walking in a circle, right? Um, and then martial arts come from that. But, but you know, the, the real shift was doing it where you're not keeping your feet still. Because that's hard. Oh, that makes it harder. And that, yeah, something about yeah, the circling ma- kind of draws your attention into a focus that maybe walking in a square or just walking randomly would not. There's something about that circular, repetitive motion that does something yeah. to your brain. Well, like you I, I mean, like I said, almost every culture yeah. from the the the, whir- the whirling dervishes totally. to you know, ring around the rosy. It, it's at, it's everywhere. People like to go in circles. It's, 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 it's easy it's way to get your brain things. shaking up. Yeah. It's one of the. I, mean, I think it's a primary totally. thing. You know, it's one of the things we. One of the things we do to calm ourselves is entertain pace, ourselves. Yeah. Right. Uh, the the what's the Taoist little diagram thing, the pace of you or mm. whatever it is? It's like one of those things where it's just like basically it shows a guy walking in a circle. You know, it's like all right, well, clearly that's one of these things. It's just it's been around for a long. Yeah, it's just when you don't have, if you can't walk through the mountains, you can walk in a circle. I think that the, it comes from the idea maybe of the the quote-unquote wandering Taoist, mm-hmm. right? Again, is this idea that the the meditation is just the walking, right? The getting the getting from one point to another is irrelevant. It's the journey, totally. right? And Bagua is just an endless journey around that circle that never ends. <laughs> so I wanted to return to Sun Ludong and just draw a little bit from a different biographical source. His student Chen Wei Ming in 1934 gives a little biography of his just to reorient us to Sun's life. So uh, just before we get into it, Chen Wei Ming was a very well-known Tai Chi uh, 
guy who did a lot. He was a student of young Chen Fu's and he wrote a lot of books sort of around the same time, mm. uh, you know, that early twenties, thirties era. Um, so the fact that he, a well-known Tai Chi guy is writing about Sun Lu Dong's mm-hmm. Bagua is just kind of mm-hmm. interesting from a, from a, and I think he's not claiming to be uh, Sun Lu Dong's like best student or, anything like that he's just kind of presenting it as like here's a little bit of stuff i learned from Sun mm-hmm. Dong, you know yeah Bagua, it seems like so bagua is kind of his, his his last martial art he learns it's like a side project or something so he throws out a few things about the life of Sun Dong. he begins with his he learned Xing Yi from li kui yuan then he was told that he should go learn from li's teacher guo yun shen sun then went to beijing and also learned bagua from cheng tinghua and there he met Hao Weizhen, from whom he learned Tai Chi. Having mastered all three of these arts, he was thus able to merge them into a single understanding. He also knew many styles of external boxing and weapons. He seemed to have an inborn talent for martial arts. Beyond his many achievements as a talented martial artist, he also had a thorough understanding of the theory within the Book of Changes, as well as astronomy, mathematics, divination, and Taoist cultivation arts. He never lost a fight, but because he had a strong moral code, he never bragged about winning. He was curious about everything, was never tired in his old age, and had a range of knowledge that even his closest colleagues were hardly aware of. Moving on to Master Sun Ludong's Bagua book from 1917, we wanted to look at a few more chunks of the book. Um, the next one we came to was talking about non-polarity. So this section, I'm just going to read a little bit about it, and then we'll uh, jump into it. Non-polarity, or Wu Ji, is the state you are in before commencing practice. There is in the mind a lack of differentiation, a continuous er, continuousness everywhere between movements, yet which comes from naturalness, a turning without consideration of degree, no division between lifting and dropping, outwardly forgetting all notions of cultivation, inwardly forgetting all notions of nurturing. What is meant by stillness is that there is emptiness within the mind. The intention is without thought. Inside nothing is seen. Outside there's nothing to see. What is meant by movement is that you were only following what is natural and turning in accordance with it. And there is no idea of control over extending and shrinking or coming and going. Mm. Deep. So there's this natural state of total in non-awareness. It's like you're not thinking of anything, but your thoughts and your mind is super focused at the same time. And all the negong skills of opening, closing, extending, and shrinking aren't controlled by your mind anymore. You have no idea of controlling them. They somehow take place on their own. Before you start, you're in this state of emptiness, right? There is nothing but your intent, if you will. And then when you get to the point of making the conscious decision to move, so what what you have to do is that mental state of being in all of your body and being conscious of your body has to shift and has to, to go to now I want something to happen. And that movement comes from uh, what we would refer to as pulsing, right? That, that, or in the um, uh, Canton Chi, they refer to it as the bellows way, right? This this thing that naturally all living things have this innate pulse, right? So you have to tap into that pulse 
in order to do all of the things that come after that, right? As opposed to you could also do that with your intent and your will, mm. right? Which would be the way you would do it in an external martial art, right? You want to move in an external martial art? You just tell your hand to move. and it Whereas moves. he's saying here, but, you're only following what is natural and turning in accordance with it. There's no idea of control. Right. You have to create a space, essentially, for this natural thing to move. and then It's got to arise from this, this emptiness, this stillness, which is somewhat elusive as a somewhat ADD modern American. Well, it's... It's it's I mean what what he's saying there is probably ten years of sure practice, right the right? first that, paragraph <laughs> that's that's ten years of standing and uh, qigong and nagong and really basic kind of form stuff and then you could probably start doing the kinds of things he's talking about here um, because it's it's like there's a lot packed into it when you say something like. Um, all you know all things kind of become one like it's like well that's a that's that's gonna take right. a easy while. easier uh, said so i think the essential piece is about how you're making the decision to move whether you're doing it from uh if you will quote unquote external which would be muscles and you know nerves and firing your kind of like intent to do something or trying to feel this like pulse inside of you first and then when you want to pick up your hand you do it with that pulse you sort of time it with that pulse um and that is a much more sensitive kind of thing it's i mean it's going to take you a lot longer even just to feel that let alone you've got to tap it. into what is like, naturally non-controlled it's got to arise from this empty space right it's got the the same as when you sit and you do Taoist meditation your mind has to go from a place of um it's doing something to it's being led by something so the the phrase bruce always used that i liked about bagua he says at a certain point you stop doing mm. the form and the form starts to do you right that the at first when you're walking the circle it's very mechanical you know right foot shift mm -hmm. left foot shift you know and you're just trying to maintain all of the physical stuff as you walk but at a certain point when that all clicks um you start feeling like you're not moving and everything mm -hmm. it's the space around you is moving um and that's one of those uh, just weird experiences you get when you walk <laughs> circles and you know, well, this, just kind of this was recalling something that was of advice that was given to me by Sifu James Wing Wu down in Los Angeles one time when I I went he was he does southern martial arts and Tai Chi mostly but I demonstrated Xing Yi for him one time in which he ripped to shreds but he gave me some advice which was when, when you stand in Santee he said okay you know, in his gruff accent, he said, just stand there until you can't stand anymore and then do the, the Pichon form. And his idea, well, you would just stand there until you're just can't take it anymore until you finally just drill right. forward. And right. that, that yeah, reminds yeah. me of that sense of waiting for something to arise. You've got to be patient. You've got to wait for it to arise within you and yeah. let that guide you. And that's, that's tough. 
Yeah, well, that's why these things weren't generally where people would right. start, right? I mean, for example, Shingy is a much easier, uh, I say easy in quotations for sure, um, way of starting martial arts or starting internal martial arts because at least it has a sort of straight linear form that you can kind of understand right it, it has something you can relate to martial arts so that you can then start to develop skills internally from that shape um bagua starts from almost the opposite approach which is the shape comes from your ability to feel the stuff inside of you so looking at the next little section here although within the mind there is the principle of emptiness and no thought there is however within the belly the true basis of emptiness, which can give rise to an energy of non-polarity. This energy is like a fog, a smoke in which black and white are indistinguishable. The posture is like a rapid current of water, all churned up, no distinction between clear and murky. Due to the posture's vagueness, it is called the non-polarity posture. So what the, So he's saying in the so, belly, and I'm, it must be mean the, the lower donation. He means the lower, yeah. There's the this true emptiness, which gives rise to an energy like a fog, a smoke, a rapid churned up water. Like, so there's something just indifferentiated. There's something energetic here, but it's not, it hasn't taken its shape yet. It's rapid, it's smoke, it's fog. There's, it's not fully solidified. And maybe that comes when you finally take action and you, you make that move. Well, it, it's the way I learned it was that when you can feel these two opposing forces yin and yang and there's a whole thing about how you do that when they merge they create what's sometimes called a steam or a fog or a light mm. right but it's it's a thing that you can now move inside of your field and it has both aspects of yin and yang to it right so um the the piece about when you're doing something like the microcosmic orbit is you're playing with the uh flipping those two things so this this true emptiness right is uh that's the Tao, if you will or or the that you know it's the, it's the thing that all things come from and all of the other energies come out of that, right? So that they, they arise, they more, you know, and, and Bagua is very much about this idea that uh, you aren't making it happen. It's mm. you're, you're, you're tapping into something and then you're playing with it. So it, it's happening, but you're, you, so you're, a, you're an active participant in it, but you're not, forcing anything to happen mm -hmm. and i think this non-polarity thing is wuji is is about the mind that you're going to go into it with rather than what you're going to do right because the the next part is what you're going to do this is the this is the state of mind that you have to have before you do it so the next concept that sun ludong teaches here is the idea of grand polarity taiji this is when you, when you start to move from that non-polarity position. So he says, the idea is that within this boxing art, there is a central axis around which circle walking, opening and closing, movement and stillness, passive and active alternate, 
with each other. The central axis is the source of mankind's existence. The energy in the elixir field is the basis of Bagua boxing. This energy at the foundation of the universe, the source of the passive and active aspects, is the grand polarity. It is from this that the dual aspects will be generated. So he's moving from non-movement to movement in this idea of non-polar of from non-polarity nothingness to Taiji, which you know, I guess you could say is somethingness. And there's mm-hmm. a central axle around which the circle walking spirals, and that is the source of mankind's existence. I think this is what we would yeah. call the energy channel of the central energy channel. Right. So you have uh, uh, try to simplify it a little bit you have a center line you have um an energy that runs through that center line that collects at your dandian in your dandian that energy can separate into two pieces yin and yang right those two pieces can then go up and down now you have what we would refer to as heaven and earth, right? You have top and bottom. And you always have something in the middle too, but I don't, don't want to complicate it too much. So you have heaven and earth, right? And then when heaven and earth start to move, i.e. this is where you're going into Tai Chi, they, they flip. They begin to uh, cycle through each other, right? And this is sometimes referred to as the microcosmic orbit, this process begins of cycling from at, from top to bottom, top to bottom, top to bottom, essentially. And then you all also have all of the horizontal things that, that will create any sort of turning, shifting, that type of stuff around this central axis. So it's it's creating all of these things around this center line. So he's clearly connecting. The central axis is the source of mankind's existence, whereas the energy in the elixir field is the basis for Bagua. So the, the elixir field and this central channel or axis are clearly being woven together here. They're part of the same thing. Yeah, I think that the... I th- think what he's saying is that the energy exists in everybody Mm -hmm. right right any living any living thing has a center line the elixir field is something you actually have to Mm. so that's the developing of the dante and the elixir field with right so you have to practice something it could Mm. be bagua it could be tai chi it could be negong but you got to do something strengthen this in that innate energetic zone right this isn't it's it's not gonna happen on mm. its own. So it's almost like Wuji is part of everything, but this Taiji, this this movement, this action of the grand polarity is something that you practice and take part in. It's an active action, it, requ- it doesn't just exist in and of itself. It it requires your intent, your involvement somehow. Like you, yeah, your intent is the fuel that get or like the spark that gets the thing to going. take the shape. So he says. Within your body, you must not be disorganized anywhere. If there is disorder anywhere, the energies within your body will not be unified, and your waist, hips, shoulders, and elbows will be at a loss because of it. He says, when turning to walk, your body must not tilt to the left or right, which could destabilize the energy. And when you walk, it's always like a bird flapping its wings in flight. You don't see the wings so much as the bird as a whole, meaning you stay 
naturally upright and connected as you perform all these things in order to get that that elixir field going yeah i like the next one where he says or it's like water a water current carrying an object right it's that idea of the water is all around you and you're being mm. carried by it but you are one thing separate from the water right but you're also right in the you water. don't see the flow as much as the object moving along he says more practical advice when practicing the size of the circle and the number of circuits you make on it depend on your environment. If you can do it large, do it large. And, but if you can only do it small, do it small, whatever is the most convenient way of practicing. So there's nothing official there. You can just make your circle. However right. You want. Yeah. I think that's one of those. That's a really useful piece of information because a lot of schools will get into this thing of oh your circle has to be eight steps or has to be this size or whatever and uh one i think what it really depends on is your skill level because a larger circle is gonna make it easier a smaller circle is gonna make it harder but aside from that uh, what really matters is that you're practicing. It doesn't matter how big or small that right. circle is. You know, when we used to, when we would practice on Tank Hill, sometimes we would do that circle that was probably half a block from each other. You know, and or but you also can do it where you're touching it the right. wrist. So I, it's it's really just about how much space you have and how much space you need to do it comfortably. When we practice Nagong within Bagua. You do the same things you would learn in, in a regular Qigong set. Say you're opening and closing your joints while you walk or, or moving the spine in some way, maybe up and down, or there's breathing patterns you might follow or feeling energy going up the insides or outsides of your body. So all the regular Nagong training takes place there as well. But something about Bagua, about that circle, it relates to the spiraling energy body set where you, where you spiral the, the, joints of the body and the energy gates with very specific energetic techniques you also move the energy up and down your body in flows while you uh train spiraling energy body and that's just what you do in bagua as you walk the energy of the earth rises up through you and then you bring the energy of heaven falling down from above through you so there's a very close connection between the spiraling energy body set and the training of bagua the way we learned it Hey folks, Isaac here again. Uh, just a reminder, check out the Patreon for the Qigong portion of the episode, where again we talk about Fa Jing and the book cover of The Power of Internal Martial Arts. Also, check out the Instagram for images to go along with the episodes. Again, thanks for all your support. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes and take care of yourself.